0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. Uh, all of us gathered here in the room. Those of you who joined joining us online, we're glad that you're with us, too. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. We really do believe that's true, that uh, as we gather together to worship him, that the Lord meets us here, right here, right where we live, right in the middle of everything that's going on. Uh, God is present to us. To, to communicate his grace to us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to give us peace, to give us rest. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to worship you today, to gather together for an hour just to center our hearts, center our thoughts on the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who is with us by your Holy Spirit, the God who has entered into our brokenness to bring your healing and life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Whatever we might be facing today, whatever challenges, whatever fears, whatever questions, whatever anxieties, God, whatever it is that we bring into this moment, uh, you meet us right here and you have the grace that we need. You are able to uh, forgive our sins as we (laughs) admit them to you. You are able to strengthen us where we're weak. You are able to give us peace in place of our anxieties. You're able to give us wisdom. You're able to give us strength. God, thank you for all of your good gifts. And thank you again for this opportunity to, to sing to you and to pray to you, and to listen for you speaking through the scriptures, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. We are so grateful for this opportunity today. Would you help us to have hearts open to meet with you, uh, to reach out to you as you are reaching out to us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, if, you'd, uh, if you're interested, if you're able, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
1: Good morning. Psalm 70, verse 5 says, But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. We always hear people say that Jesus is all we need. But the thing is, he's not just all we need. Jesus is all we have. Jesus gives us a purpose for life. Without him, there's no reality, there's no meaning. Everything is about Christ. Without Christ, we are dead. Our next breath comes from Christ. Our next meal comes from Christ. We are nothing without Christ, and we can do nothing without him. We couldn't save ourselves, and we never even wanted to. We are dead in sin when Christ died for us and paid the price for us in full. He is our only claim to heaven. He's all we have. Because of him, we can know God. I come I confess bowing here is found
2: is where you are and where you are
0: bow your heads with me let's continue that prayer God we we confess today our need of you (laughs) you are our source of life you are the one who gives us the strength we need to make it through each day you are the one who has surrounded us with brothers and sisters a a family who uh, can get us through situations we could never get through ourselves God you give us your own Holy Spirit to energize us, to guide us, to teach us, to heal us. Thank you, God. Thank you for being the God we read about in Scripture, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We are so grateful, God, that when you saw your people in distress, you did not keep your distance, but you came to them. We we see you do this over and over in Scripture. You you come down to rescue your people from slavery in Egypt. You you come down to rescue us in your Son from slavery to sin and death. You come to us today because you can't bear to leave us uh, trying to do this life on our own. You see us stuck in the mess that we make, and and out of love for us, you just can't bring yourself to condemn us and and put us away, but you come to us. You speak words of encouragement, of hope. You help us to know that there is a better life available to us, possible for us, here and now, a life filled with love, a life transformed by your grace. Thank you, God. Thank you for being with us in the here and now, right where we live. As we go through the ups and downs of life, as we face uh, uncertain futures, as we face difficult presents, as we, as we see things on the news about uh, neighbors on the other side of the world that are in, still stuck in the midst of war and, and uh, all sorts of other calamities that befall us, God. We know that we are not, that, that you are not keeping your distance from us, that we are not far from you, that you are not far from our, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who continue to, to fight for their lives, for their land, for their survival. God, we continue to pray for them. and We pray for a change of heart of those who are instigating these, these acts of war and violence. God, we, we pray for those caught up in the midst of the conflict, whether they are holding weapons or whether they are hiding out. God, we, we pray for protection. We pray for peace. We pray for life to win over death. Thank you for those who, uh, moved by your Holy Spirit, reach out in love to, uh, to shelter refugees and to, uh, to, to help people find safety. We pray that you would continue to strengthen them as they continue to do this work for millions of people. And God, you know that's only one place in our world out of dozens where people face violence, where people face uh, the need to flee. God, we have uh, people right here in our own community who face violence at the hands of of loved ones, at the the hands of of enemies. God, we pray that you would protect them and that you would help us to open our hearts and homes to, to protect, to shelter, to care for those in need. Thank you, God. Thank you for those who have been gracious to us, who have allowed your spirit. Uh, to love us through them. And we thank you for the opportunities that we have and to let your Holy Spirit love others through us. God, your love and your grace flows into our lives, not so we can just enjoy it ourselves, although we do. We are grateful for your love and your strength and your grace. God, I pray that you would help us to be filled to overflowing so that we We just can't help but turn to those around us that that we can have eyes to see the needs, that we can see the people and the hurt that they're facing, the needs that they face, so that we might share your grace and your love, your resources, with the people that you bring us face to face with. Thank you, God. Thank you for welcoming all of us into your family, into your presence today. Uh, young and old, rich and poor, doesn't matter. All those things that might uh, typically divide us or put us on the other side of some argument. God, you, you welcome us all. Help us. Help us to welcome each other. Help us to love each other, to reflect your love to a world that desperately needs to know that love is possible, that peace is possible, that grace is available. Thank you, God. Uh, we pray this, trusting in your love, because you've shown it to us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Will the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. We're going to take a couple minutes for you to extend that peace to each other. You can shake someone's hand, give them a little fist bump, give them a wave, whatever, but take a couple minutes. Wish someone a happy morning. Peace of Christ. Hopefully all of you got one of those little... Uh, little bulletin things when you walked in. If not, there's some more back there by the door. But just a a couple of announcements real quick before we dive into the message. Uh, We would love to hear from you, how we can pray for you, or thank God with you, or answer any questions you might have. And uh, so one way to do that is to go online to livinghope.info slash connect, and uh, fill out that little digital connect card. Or those of you in the room, you can just grab one of those little green cards back there, jot your note on it, and a way for me to follow up with you, and drop it in the box back there. And if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box too, or you can give online. That works. Uh, you can continue to find out more about the Ukraine crisis and how uh, your fellow Nazarenes around the world, were part of this Church of the Nazarene network that's got churches and pastors right there in Ukraine and in the surrounding countries. You can find out more uh, at ncm.org, it's Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, that's one place you can find out more and, and ways that you can give or pray. Uh, We are continuing to do the uh, free bikes thing, which as I mentioned last week, they did a bonus one this month. They had one uh, yesterday and they had a great day, good weather, I stopped by at like, it's from nine to noon, I stopped by at like 9.05 and they already had several people there and bikes that were out and people were taking them. And and, uh, so this Saturday is another one of those. If you have a bike to donate, or if you uh, would like a bike or know someone that needs a bike, uh, they've got a whole bunch of bikes that'll be out in the parking lot from 9 to noon. And, um, and then next week, also, next Sunday, you're going to want to plan to stick around because we're having breakfast between the services. I guess it's Father's Day or something, too, by the way. But... Um, so I haven't talked to Howard. I'm ho- I'm hoping that there's bacon involved. Uh, I put that in the picture just to kind of prompt that uh, that thought. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him to see if we can have a little uh, an abundance of bacon. I hope uh, next next Sunday. Boy, if there's not now, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in trouble. But anyway, uh, so that's next Sunday in between the services. So we're gonna be extra careful to make sure the service is done on time, so that from 10 to 10:30 we can just enjoy breakfast together, and uh, and then 10:30 that next service will start. So. Uh, But before then, uh, every Tuesday night for the last month, we have been participating in the Men's Overnight Shelter. Uh, New Creation Men's Center just down the road coordinates it. You know, that's a day center for men, and they've got a thrift store there that helps fund that. Uh, But they have churches that help provide shelter. Uh, And during the summer, it's real easy. It's just 9 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. So if there are any guys that want to help with that, uh, I think we're down to like three or four guys that we're sheltering, and they sleep in the other room out here. Uh, But if you would like to help, uh, to, we have to staff that. You know, we have to have somebody here throughout the night. And uh, and they don't care if you snooze. We're not going to set up a bed for you or anything. But uh, but if you sack out on one of the couches or something, that's fine as long as you wake up. If there's a problem. But I've been here the last uh, the last four weeks uh, for about half the night. And. Uh, And there haven't been any issues. So if you'd like to come and help, let me know, all right? Uh, Drop me a note, send me a text, grab me after the service and say, hey, I'd like to help with that. Uh, We're not feeding them. We're not serving dinner or breakfast. they are just a safe place, warm place, or cool place, I guess, these days, but dry place for them to be able to sleep. And uh, so if you'd like to be a part of that, it'll happen again this Tuesday and every Tuesday throughout the summer until October 15th. Uh, we will be providing shelter for some men. So if you'd like to be a part of that. I keep forgetting to mention it. Uh, and like the last two Sundays afterwards, I'm like, oh, man, I forgot to mention that again. There's probably somebody that wants to help. And, uh, and a couple of you have, and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but anyway, there's, there's room for more if you'd like to help. All right. Uh, this morning's message is... Uh, uh, it's not because it's Pride month exactly this is the month of June is considered Pride month where uh, LGBT folks uh, you know they have parades and other kinds of things as people are kind of acknowledging who they are being honest about themselves and and uh, and some of them uh, coming out for the first time to family or friends uh, but um, it's not be- that's not the reason why this morning's message has to do with uh, LGBTQ questions um, but um, it really is because in conversations with a couple of you, um, oh, let's see, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, two or three weeks ago, this, for some reason in one day I ended up uh, in conversation with a couple of different ones of you about this and realized that like people weren't clear on where our church stood on these questions or what kind of church we were, you know, when it comes to uh, lesbian, gay, transgender folks. And um, some folks were surprised like, to hear uh, where we land on that and others uh, weren't, I guess. But I think part of that is because I, I just heard um, oh, let's see, was it a month ago, two months ago, when we had our district assembly. So in the Church of the Nazarene, every year there's a district assembly where one of the general superintendents who they serve all over the world, they come and they, uh, they ordain new ministers and they talk with us and they share with us things that are going on all over the place. And uh, in a Q&A time, this question came up about our church and our take on this. And, and, um, and they pointed out that you know, every church, every person, that you have a, a position on something then you also have a, a posture that you take with regard to that thing, right? And, um, and so I think because of our posture being so uh, welcoming and open to all of us, any of us, you know, who, who, uh, who wander in, who are hungry for God's grace, uh, that people are like, oh, wait, what, so what's your position on it? I don't know. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, and some of you might be surprised. Some of you won't be. If you've been with us for any amount of time, you probably won't be surprised because this comes up every year or two. Uh, last year we were doing a and A series where we just invited you to ask your questions, and a couple of you had questions about this specifically, and so we talked about this. Uh, I think before that it was maybe 2018 in another Q and A series, and and every now and then, you know, this this issue comes up, or these questions come up, and uh, so it seems like well, yeah, let's let's talk about this. Let's look at what the Bible says. Let's let's talk about uh, where our church lands on this thing and recently I was reading a book uh, that that reminded me of this verse uh, from Matthew chapter 23 where in verse 4 Jesus he's talking about the, the scribes the Pharisees the religious leaders of his day and he says they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them and uh, there's actually a book that I'd, had been recommended to me and that I'd picked up called Heavy Burdens, Seven Ways LGBTQ Christians Experience Harm in the Church. And uh, well, let me, let me finish what, uh, what Jesus says a couple of verses later in Matthew chapter 23. He says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven. For you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. And... Uh, so just to make sure, I, I want to make sure that we are not locking the door to anyone who is coming to Jesus. I want to make sure that, that everyone knows Jesus loves you and wants a relationship with you. And that if someone is reaching for Jesus, we're going to say, yes, please, come on, here, let us introduce you to him. Let's, let us show you Jesus and the way that we live and the way that we love. And uh, the, the author of this book, her name's uh, Bridget Rivera. Um, she is, uh, I can't remember now which church she is a part of. Um, but I just want to read you a little bit of her introduction. She holds to what you might call the traditional Christian ethic on this. Um, let me just read you how she starts, starts this. I squirmed in my seat, avoiding eye contact with the women in my small group. They offered encouragement to a woman sitting next to me. She spoke in halting sentences, wiping away tears with the tissue they offered. It's just awful, she said. You can't even imagine. But I could. She was talking about her son, her gay son, and nobody knew that he was gay but me and her. She didn't even know that I knew. She didn't know that I knew he had a boyfriend, that he had just come out to her a day ago. She didn't know that I knew about it all. She didn't know that I am gay too. None of them did. Pete just needs prayer, she said. We learned some things about him yesterday. I can't go into details, but he's falling away. I fingered the pages of my Bible nervously and found myself saying, Your son loves Jesus. He really does. God will watch out for him. Oh, this is just so terrible, Bridget, she said, eyes bleary and red. I can't say what it is, but it's just so bad that I'd rather have learned he was dead. I'd rather have learned he was dead. Her words lingered in the air as I looked away. One of the ladies gave her hand a little squeeze, and the mother went on about her family's despair. A woman volunteered to pray for her, and then we moved on. What is so bad about homosexuality that a Christian would rather a loved one be dead than gay? I've asked myself that question more times than I could count. Though her sentiment is shocking, the woman from my small group isn't an outlier. Her words reflect the secret and often unconscious thoughts of many Christians. Worse... Her words reflect the silent voice of death whispering in the minds of countless LGBTQ people. People made in the image of God who often tragically believe they'd be better off dead than alive as they are. The question is, why? I don't know how that hits you, uh, but that breaks my heart. To think that there are parents out there who would rather their child rather found out their child had died than to find out they're gay. Uh, and and beyond that, like she said, to know that for a number of gay and lesbian, trans folks in our churches, in our families, in our neighborhoods, that, that they feel similarly about themselves. That they have that voice whispering in their ear that maybe it'd be better off if they just weren't here. Maybe they'd be better dead than alive. I'd heard the statistic recently that, uh, um, well, I've, I've heard for years that the prevalence of suicide is dramatically higher among LGBT folks than among the general population. They think about suicide, attempt suicide, commit suicide at dramatically higher rates than other young people, than other adults. And the, there have been studies to try to find out, like, okay, what are some of the factors that influence this, that, that help them to, to feel better about themselves, to help them uh, not feel that despair, to help them to, um, to be less likely to, to consider suicide or to commit suicide. And uh, family support is one huge one. Um, LGBT folks from families that are not supportive, families that, uh, that sometimes sadly kick them out of the house even though they're minors uh, over this issue, they are, those kids are eight times more likely to consider suicide when they have parents who don't support them. Which means having parents that are supportive, that continue to love them no matter what, makes them eight times less likely to commit suicide, you just kind of reverse that. But the statistic that grabbed my attention, and unfortunately I don't have the number, um, but was that uh, there were all these different factors that, uh, that made it less likely that they would consider suicide and belonging to a community of faith was not among them. In fact, belonging to a community of faith made it more likely that they would consider suicide because for too many of these young people, being a part of a church means being in a place where they are not surrounded by love and grace and support, but they are surrounded by people who uh, who judge them, who make comments about them, who find any number of ways to let them know that they don't think they're okay. Um, that, w- that what is going on with them is, um, is not just, um, you know a sinful temptation, or not just a brokenness that we all share, you know, brokenness and sin, but that they are especially heinous, that they are especially detestable, um, that they are not worthy of love. And that breaks my heart. And as a pastor, I want to make sure that we are not that kind of church, okay? (laughs) I want to make sure that we're a church where uh, people know they are loved. Uh, Whether or not you agree with the decisions that they're making whether or not you agree with their lifestyle or anything else all right and uh, and we have folks in our church uh, who are gay lesbian trans and uh, for the most part I hear good things about you that that you love them and that you embrace them that you welcome them and uh, and they are glad to have found us uh, but I did want to I did want to address this because uh, I want to make sure we're on the same page about where we are as a church. I want to make sure we're not giving anyone false pretenses. And, uh, and I want to make sure that, that uh, well, yeah, that we're on the same page about how we love our LGBTQ neighbors, family members, friends. Uh, so just real quick uh, in terms of uh, what the terms are. Um, I think I've got these to put up there. Yeah, uh, LGBT, those initials, right? Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, um, the first three uh, speak to sexual orientation or attraction, not necessarily action or activity behavior, but um, you know, is a woman who's attracted to other women, gay is sometimes using an umbrella term, but uh, typically about men who are attracted to men, bisexual is just people who are attracted to, to both, uh, both genders. And, um, and so that's, if somebody says they're gay or somebody says they're lesbian, they're speaking to, this is the direction my attractions go. You know, and for most of them, this is something that emerged very early in life, just like it did for all of us at some point. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're growing up, and you hit adolescence, and all of a sudden, you know, some of your friends are still just friends, and some of your friends are a little more attractive to you in a different way than they had been, you know, uh, a few days before. And for gay and lesbian folks, as, as they w- wake up to those attractions, they realize that those attractions are directed toward members of the same sex, not the opposite sex. And, uh, and folks who would describe themselves as bisexual just find themselves equally attracted to both, uh, or to some degree. Um, so if someone says they're gay or someone says they're lesbian, that doesn't necessarily mean they're in a relationship, that doesn't necessarily mean they're dating, they could be uh, asexual, which is a term that just means someone who doesn't really have sexual attractions, um, but when they do, you know, that's the direction that they go. Um, uh, or they, they could be committed to celibacy, like the author of this book, uh, because they hold to that, they believe that's what uh, Christ would require of them, you know, and so they are committed to celibacy, but if they're going to be honest about themselves, they say, well, yeah, but I'm, but I'm gay, you know, that's, that's the direction my attractions go. Uh, so that's the, the first three letters, L, G, and B, and then the T has to do with gender identity, or gender expression, uh, to be transgender, uh, is someone who, um, they were born, and the doctor said, yep, that's a boy. And then as they grew up, they just had a sense inside that like, no, that's really not right. Um, So, Just um, some of you guys know that we've got a member of our church. Um, We we met him as Josh uh, when he was homeless, living out in his car. And we were just talking this last week. And and, uh, she said, it'd be fine for me to share her story. And and at some point along the way... um, for those of us Wednesday night Bible study, as we were uh, talking, and we always start by introducing ourselves and what we're thankful for. And, and one night, Josh said, Oh, "I'm Ghost, and uh, here's what I'm thankful for." And uh, we we're all like, "Ghost? What do you mean?" "Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to be known as Ghost from now on." I'm like, "Oh, okay, fine. Hi, Ghost. You know." And um, and then at some point, uh, the conversation re- found out and asked about this, and and um, Ghost said, "Yeah, you know, I'd really rather." people use feminine, female pronouns, Um, you know, refer to her instead of referring to him, and I said, I'm happy to do that, ghost, no problem. Um, Now, ghost is not very assertive about that, and so there are many of you that are like, wait a second, really? I had no idea, you know, I've been calling him Josh and using male pronouns all this time and never, never thought about it, and uh, that's because ghost isn't real assertive about that, Um, but she would really prefer that. And, uh, and so I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in just a minute. Uh, but her story is that from a very young age, um, she started feeling like, you know, being treated as a boy and being, you know, even masculine pronouns, he and him, uh, what she told me this last week was they, they hurt, you know, that they, they cause pain. Um, and, uh, and so she began um, her transition process then as a young adult at 22. Now she's 22. Something, something, something older than 22. Um, So Anyway, Uh, so that's the, the T doesn't necessarily have to do with sexual attraction or if someone's attracted to men or women. The T is much more like a person's sense of who they are, Uh, their sense of, uh, that their sense of gender that, that is not, does not match kind of the external anatomy or what they've been known as from birth. And uh, there's a whole lot that we don't understand about sex and gender and how those things happen. And uh, we can have more of a conversation about that sometime if you like. Um, And I'm sure, I'm confident that we have disagreement in this room about the best way to approach those things. All right, And uh, and I hope that we can give each other grace uh, and we can love each other in spite of those disagreements. Uh, so LGBT, and then often there's a Q at the end of that, which stands for queer, uh, which is kind of an umbrella term that could mean lots of different things. And the uh, the people who uh, are part of the LGBTQ community and their uh, authors, and the, they they purposefully keep that term vague and able to apply to lots and lots of different things. Um, Some people use the Q at the end to refer to questioning and sometimes you might see like an I stuck on there for intersex or an A for asexual or a plus sign for just like lots of other categories. Uh, Lots of other sexual minorities is a term you might hear uh, because obviously the majority in this world doesn't fit any of these categories. The majority of us find ourselves attracted to the opposite sex. The majority of us are what they would call cisgender and I went ahead and put that there in your notes. That's just where your gender matches the sex that you were uh, assigned at birth or recognized at birth. Um, so most of us are heterosexual, cisgender folks, the vast majority of people on the planet. Um, and so sometimes sexual minority is a term that's used to apply to like kind of all this whole category of folks. So just to make sure we're understanding the terms correctly, these are not all the same thing, right? Sometimes you can be talking about, like, the Bible has a, a handful of verses that talk about same-sex sexual activity, and we're going to look at those in just a second. The Bible doesn't really say much about the T, the about the trans part of things. Um, the Bible does say that God created, you know, created us male and female in the beginning in Genesis. Um, the Bible also says that God, you know, divided the light from the darkness, you know, day and the night, and d- divided the, the sea from the land, and... <clears throat> um, but then, you know, that Genesis 1 is all about these dualities, these binaries, you know, uh, strict separation. But any of us who've ever watched a sunset know that there's real beauty in this kind of transition where it's like, well, it's still day, it's, not, I mean, it's about to be night, but then it's still bright for a while. It's not like, it doesn't, not like it goes from full day to just full night right away. You know, there's like this, this transition zone in between there. Uh, same thing with the sea and the land. Any of us who enjoy going to the beach know that like yep where that where that line is between the sea and the land is continually moving and uh, you might you know build a sand castle in the morning and it's gone by night because the tide has shifted and things have moved and um, so <clears throat> the bible doesn't really have much to say about the the gender part of it because that's just not a question they were asking you know it, it hadn't come up uh, in the same way that it, it's coming up for us today uh, but uh, same-sex activity is mentioned uh, at least five times in the Bible. And, uh, and I just, before we look at those, I just, I put this note in here, in your notes. I think I even have it on the screen. Just as sincere, Bible-believing Christians disagree on what these verses are referring to and how they apply to our lives today. Our church, as part of the Church of the Nazarene, we understand them to say that same-sex sexual activity is sinful. Uh, now, orientation and temptation are not sins. Following temptations to action is sin according to the Bible. And you can see if you want the Church of the Nazarene Statement on Human Sexuality and Marriage, there's a link you can follow. Um, or I think I've got those printed out and they're out. There's like 10 of them out there on the table uh, if you'd like to, to read those later. This was back in 2017 that this uh, statement was, uh, a new statement on this was adopted and put together. And if... Any of you are sitting here thinking like, oh, boy, I wonder, so that, that's our church's position on it, and it does speak somewhat to our posture on it, but it acknowledges at the end of this statement that like, these are matters that have to be handled with sensitivity and grace, and each congregation and pastor is going to have to find ways to make sure that we are loving our neighbors well. Um, uh, who are facing the, the situations mentioned here. And that, that statement isn't all on LGBTQ questions. It also touches on divorce and sex outside of marriage and all that sort of thing. But that is one one aspect of that statement, if you'd like to, to read that statement. It's like two and a half pages long. So, all right, so these are the verses from Scripture. Oh, and I should say, too, if at some point you're like, hey, wait a minute, and you've got a question, just flag me down, all right? Wave at me, say, you know, what about this? Um, Leviticus, there's two passages in Leviticus that mention this. In uh, chapter 18 it says, Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That's detestable. And in chapter 20 it says, If a man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. And uh, so that's the only references in the Old Testament to same-sex sexual activity. It's, um, they are part of a long list of things that are detestable, that are out of bounds for the people of Israel as God is. Uh, Moving them through the wilderness to the promised land and kind of setting them up as a nation. And uh, many of the things in those lists we happily ignore today. Um, we love shrimp wrapped in bacon. You know, that's a delicious thing, but that would be off limits according to some of the other things that you'd read in these lists. Uh, we like our poly blend shirts. We, you know, plant our fields with all kinds of crops. Um, and these are the kinds of things that, uh, that these passages speak against. Um, so, That doesn't mean we can just ignore them, but it does mean that they are uh, already part part of the Bible that we Christians have said, you know what, that doesn't all necessarily apply to us today in the same way that it applied to the people of Israel back then. But in the New Testament, uh, it does come up in at least three different spots. Once in Romans chapter 1, these are all in letters from the Apostle Paul that the church from the beginning is recognized as Scripture and have heard God speaking through these letters, just like we hear God speaking through the stories of Jesus' life and death and resurrection in the Gospels. In Romans chapter 1, he's in the middle of making an argument, um, trying to help, well, just a second. Here's what he says in this passage, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. And in, he's in the middle of making an argument. Chapter 1 is all about those dirty, rotten Gentiles out there. That have abandoned God and worshipped idols and done all this stuff that that we good Jews, you know, that's why we're not Gentiles. We're so we thank God that we're that we're good Jews and we don't do all that stuff that those dirty rotten Gentiles do out there. And he gets to chapter two and he turns and he says to his fellow Jews, and uh, <clears throat> we're no better. We are no better than them. And he starts to point out the faults with uh, with his own people, and the ways that that uh, that they had failed. And uh, and his point is finally getting to Romans chapter 3, where he basically says, look, we're all in the same boat. We have all sinned. doesn't matter if you're a dirty, rotten Gentile or if you're a God-fearing Jew. We've all sinned. We all depend on God's grace. Uh, But so in his list of things in Romans chapter 1, he includes uh, same-sex activity. Then in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, and the Corinthians were kind of a wild bunch, uh, spiritually proud but messed up in a lot of ways, uh, he says to them in chapter 6, Uh, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, well asterisk, come back to that in a second, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He says, there are things we can do that put us at odds with God and that, that harm other pe- the people around us and uh, you know doing wrong, wrongdoers. And he says, that's not the life that gets you into the kingdom of God. And he says, that's what some of you were, but God has turned your life around. Now that little phrase that's translated there, men who have sex with men, is two Greek words and we're not gonna have, we don't have time to dig into all of it. I'm, I see the clock, don't worry. Um, <clears throat> but that's not always been translated that way and there's, that's where one of those questions comes in. It's like, is he, is he talking about, like, what we would see today with, like, your, your gay neighbors, you know, who are married and have the dog and the picket fence and all the stuff, you know, they, they love each other, they're, um, <clears throat> they're in a committed relationship, or is this talking to kind of the Roman culture of the time where um, men regularly abused other men sexually as a sign of dominance, that that to be a real man was to um, dominate others sexually. Uh, including your wife, often girlfriends, sometimes children. Uh, If you went to battle, if you went to war, the the victors often would would rape the soldiers that they had defeated as a sign of their dominance, a sign of their manhood. Is he speaking to that? That's where one of those questions arises. What is is he speaking to in this list of wrongdoing? Um, And then in his letter to Timothy his first letter, he says, we also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. Now that, that little bit Translated for those practicing homosexuality is one of those two words that was used back in Corinthians. So one of the two words there that was translated men having sex with men is is the one that he uses here in 1 Timothy. Um, Now what I appreciate about his letter is that just four verses later, after talking about these lawbreakers, uh, he says this. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So the Apostle Paul does not present uh, a posture <laughs> of pointing to those dirty, rotten sinners over there and saying, and they're the worst. And we know those people that are blamed for all our woes. You know, they're the reason a hurricane hit, or some crazy stuff like that that some Christians have said, right? Or they're the reasons for this disease spreading. Uh, all sorts of things that get blamed on, uh, on our gay neighbors. He doesn't say, they're the worst. He says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Oh, um, So while our church understands, the, our understanding of these scriptures is still the I want to call it the traditional one uh, that says same-sex sexual activity is is sinful. Um, And so I can't perform like a same uh, marriage between two men or two women, Um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, Our church does not ordain folks who are, uh, you know, in a um, same-sex relationship or that sort of thing. Um, While our church holds to that position, and we believe that that's the position that Paul is describing here, uh, that's our understanding of these verses, uh, our posture You know, we we attempt to have a similar posture to that of the Apostle Paul that says, look, whatever your sin, whatever way that that you experience the brokenness of this life, we all experience that. We are all on the same page as sinners. In fact, my own sin is, is likely worse than yours. And I'm so grateful that Christ Jesus has shown me mercy, has been patient with me. So that leads me then to be merciful toward others and to be patient with others. To to do what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 where he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. It's kind of a bedrock principle for us Christians, right? Let's do to other people what we would have them do to us. And this is where, as I mentioned uh, earlier about calling someone by the name that they've chosen or the pronouns that they choose. To me, this this is my take on it, all right? This is not some official doctrine of the church or anything, but, but my take on it is like, well, I would prefer that people call me by the name that I choose. Right? My, my parents give me the name Richard, that's fine. Uh, I don't, when people say like, what's your name? I don't say Richard, I say Rich, you know. And sometimes when I introduce myself and I say Rich Schmidt, because those sounds blur together, they hear Rick and they call me Rick. And sometimes I just let that slide. And other times I say, uh, you know what, sorry, I, I prefer Rich. I say, oh, sorry, yeah, sure, Rich. You know, it's a preference of mine. I would prefer to be called by that name. Um, and so I have no problem calling someone by the name that they prefer or using the pronouns that they prefer. To me, that's an example of doing to others as I would want them to do to me. Um, now, you might apply that verse differently, all right? You might come to a different conclusion about that, but for me, that, that seems like a basic respect kind of thing. Um, he goes on to say, love your enemies... Do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And even if you disagree with someone, even if you might consider them an enemy for some reason, your, your job is to be like your Heavenly Father who is merciful, who is kind, even to those who want nothing to do with him. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. He says, again, do to others what you would like them to do to you. And he says, this actually works. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, which i feel like yeah this is kind of what paul was doing in romans chapter one he was saying like oh yeah you see that speck in their eye you see how those dirty rotten gentiles oh wait there's a plank in our eye we should pay attention to that too jesus says then why do you call me lord lord and not do what i say and i hear that and i think oh okay jesus (laughs) i want to do what you say I want to do to others what I would have them do to me I want to pay attention to my own sin before focusing on the sin of someone else i want to I want to make sure I'm not <clears throat> a person who is judgmental and condemning I want to be a I don't want to be someone who is laying heavy burdens on someone or locking the door to the kingdom of heaven to someone who is making steps toward jesus that even if even if by my understanding of scripture they're doing something or involved in something that uh, that I don't think they should be involved in I do not want to block them. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to open the door to them and say, yes, Jesus is amazing and his grace has been so good to me. I, I want you to experience that grace too. Because here's where the Apostle Paul was, was leading by Romans chapter 3. He says, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I was thinking about the uh, the heavy burdens thing, and this author has said from, from having talked to quite a few uh, LGBTQ folks, um, and you can read, if you want to borrow this book, you can. Uh, each chapter starts out with a story or two of a Christian who f- realizes that they're gay, or realizes that they don't fit the, the typical gender binary, or something else, and then talks about how that Bumped into their parents or their, their church group or the organization they were employed, the Christian organization that employed them or, or whatever. Um, this, uh, as I'm thinking about the, the idea of placing heavy burdens on others and not being willing to lift a finger to move them. I was thinking of these two verses, and unfortunately only one of them made it into your notes. I think it was last week or the week before that I was like, oh, and this one slipped off the bottom. I had that happen again. So this one made it from Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, if you've had a heavy burden laid on you, if you are tired, come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The other verse was, uh, you might just write Galatians 6, 2 at the bottom there, and you can look that up later, I think you got it up here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So a question for us to be thinking about this week. Uh, How might we carry the burdens? Instead of placing more burdens on gay, lesbian, trans folks in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, how might we help carry their burdens? How might we help them take steps toward Jesus? How might we help them know that they are loved by God and loved by us? How might the grace of God flow through us into their lives? so that they know that they are loved. How might we help carry their burdens for them? Because there are plenty of other folks who will be happy to put burdens on them. And and I don't want to contribute to that. I want them to know that they are loved, that God has a good life for them, and that we will be there for them every step of the way as they listen to God's Holy Spirit, as they follow where, where their Lord Jesus leads, Uh, That we will be there for them to, to, to help them carry their burdens. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray before we celebrate communion together. God, we thank you for the grace that you have given to each and every one of us. Thank you for giving us rest, giving our souls rest in place of the heavy burdens of religious requirement uh, that the scribes and the Pharisees were placing on people. Lord Jesus, you, you kept things simple. Love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Thank you, God. Once again, that you did not condemn us or reject us when we were stuck in our sin But instead, as we just read, Heavenly Father, you are kind (laughs) to us messed up sinners. Thank you that in your kindness, in your patience, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to shine your light into our darkness, to heal what is broken within us, to give us life in place of the death that we had brought upon ourselves and those around us by our sin. Thank you, God. Thank you for conquering sin and death by the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You you are making us new. You are transforming our lives. And you have given us a new relationship not only with you, but with each other. So God, I pray that you would help us to truly love each other. Continue to teach us, God, what that means and what that looks like. Especially with regard to our Gay and lesbian and trans neighbors, our family members, our friends. Lord Jesus, you were described as a friend of sinners, and I pray that you would help us to live in such a way that the same could be said of us. Thank you for your amazing grace, for your boundless love, for your patience, your kindness, your compassion. Thank you, God, that we get to celebrate uh, this sacrament of Holy Communion, to remind us that it is right here in in the real world, in the physical world that we live in, that here is where you came and met us, that you took on this human bodily existence, and it was as a human being that you faced down sin and death and won. So God, we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves with all that we are, being honest with you about every bit of it. God, you know the grace that we need. You know those ways in which we need to be forgiven. You know the ways that we have failed to love you with all that we are and the ways that we have failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, each and every one of us depend on your grace. And we thank you that you give it so freely. Help us not to take this lightly. But to express uh, proper gratitude to you for the grace that you have given. God, we depend on your grace. Each and every day, we need you. Oh, we need you. We've just been singing that today. Every hour, we need you. Thank you for being faithful with your love and your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, Hey, the musicians are going to come back up. They're going to lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice and as we sing you're invited to come forward take bread from the basket dip it in the juice and eat it and then return to your seats it's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today all of us who are hungry for his grace who are aware of our need of him Uh, we've got the regular bread and the gluten-free wafers and the little cups that you can take back to your seat and uh, and peel back to get to the bread and juice or if you don't feel comfortable joining the procession if you'd rather uh, they're there at your tables as well uh, so you can celebrate as we sing Let's give thanks, let's celebrate.
2: goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God, cause all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so. Goodness is running after, it's running after me, so all my life you have been faithful, yes, all my life you have been so. The goodness of God goodness of God Oh, I'm gonna sing of the
0: goodness of God Amen. Thank you, God, for being so, so good to us. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ and the grace that we receive through him. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ, we pray, so that as we leave, as we go back to the rest of life today, that we might carry your grace and your love to everyone you send us to, to every single one of our neighbors. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.